Welcome to the Land of Goshen podcast. This is where you can hear the latest sermons from Goshen Presbyterian Church in Belmont, North Carolina, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. For more information on Goshen Presbyterian Church, please visit GoshenPCA.com. That's GoshenPCA.com. Our reading is John 3, 1 through 21. John chapter 3, 1 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light, and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. The Word of the Lord. Sometimes people will do you a favor. And very often we'll forget about it. You know, it's like, thank you, that was great. You move on. But sometimes people do you a favor so big, so magnificent, so impactful on your life that you can't just move on. And our human nature comes up and we say to them, what do we say when someone does something huge for you? I don't know how I will ever repay you. 
I don't know how I'll ever repay you. Look, if you've ever said that phrase, what does that tell you about your reaction? You missed the point. You missed the point. When someone does something big, magnificent, they are not doing it to get paid back. Why are they doing it? Because they love you. They are giving you a gift. They are giving you a gift. In this passage, we are told about the most amazing, the most impactful, the most, dare I say, extravagant gift that has ever been given to anyone. We are talking about God's gift of salvation. The first thing we see is that God gives us salvation through the new birth. Through the new birth. Now, if you're sitting there going, what does that mean? What is a new birth? Don't worry. Nicodemus was confused too. We'll walk through it. The first thing Jesus tells us, the new birth is necessary to be part of the kingdom of God. Think about it this way. When you become a citizen of another country, what has happened to you? What do they call that? Naturalization, at least in English, because if you move out of here to another country, they might have another word in their language. But here we call it naturalization. You are a naturalized citizen. What does that mean? Why would we use the term naturalized? Sounds like you took something synthetic and you made it natural. Well, we took this here tang and we made it into orange juice. It's been naturalized. That's actually sort of what they're saying. They're saying you have lived among us long enough. You have learned enough of our culture. You have learned enough of our values that you are as if you had been born a citizen of this country. It is as though you have always been one of us. And therefore, we declare you to be a citizen. You renounce your former citizenship. And we accept you as fully and truly a part of our civil community. In other words, it's us saying you belong here. You belong here. Jesus tells Nicodemus, look, Nicodemus, I got some news for you. Because here comes Nicodemus strolling along. Rabbi, we know you're a uh, sent from God and you've done all these works. Tell us the truth. And Jesus, like Nicodemus, back up. You think you're part of the kingdom of heaven, but you need to understand this. No amount of learning about the kingdom of heaven, no amount of living among God's people, no amount of you trying to keep the customs of the kingdom will ever naturalize you into the kingdom. You can only be part of the kingdom of heaven if you have been born into the kingdom of heaven, Nicodemus. You can only be part of the kingdom of heaven if you've been born into the kingdom. Jesus tells him that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's saying, look, you need to understand if you have experienced only physical birth, 
then you are part of this fallen world order by nature. You were conceived in sin. You were born a sinner. You have lived in sin, and this world is your home. And just as surely as this current world order will be brought to an end by God, so your rebellion will be brought to an end. And if you remain flesh, if you remain a sinner only, we must cast you, says Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit must cast you into the lake of fire. You have no part in the kingdom. However, the Holy Spirit can give you a new nature. He can make you a new creation. And if you have experienced that recreation, if you have that new heart, that new nature that follows after God, that seeks after God, then you have been born into the kingdom. And you belong there. And you will have a share in it. But unless you're born into it, you cannot be a part of it. You cannot see it, you cannot enter it. And notice what we've already alluded to. The second big point about this new birth is that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. This was a man who had memorized the first five books of the Bible at least, probably a lot more than that, expert on the law, teacher of Israel, a man who knew his stuff, respected for righteousness, was striving hard to quote the old country song, working hard to get to heaven. And Jesus has to look at him and say, Nicodemus, I don't care how hard you work, you cannot birth yourself. I don't care how hard you work, you cannot make yourself a new person. I don't care what you do, you cannot make the Holy Spirit do this. The Spirit works, to quote the Westminster Confession, when, where, and how He pleases. How He pleases. The new birth is never the result of our will or our work. The new birth is a gift, a gift, a gift. Did you cause your own birth? I don't think so. You know, we are not like Marty McFly in Back to the Future having to hop in a time machine and make your parents fall in love so you don't disappear. We didn't cause our own birth. You don't cause your new birth. It is something God freely gives. We can see the result of it. We can see the fruit that comes out of it, but we cannot see the Spirit working in someone's heart, and we cannot cause Him to work in someone's heart. That is beyond our power. That's why we say that salvation is totally a gift of God. We are utterly Passive. Remember, how does the Bible describe you when you're in sin? What's the term it uses? If you're in sin, you are dead. 
What does a dead person do? At least physically speaking. Last time I checked, nothing. They just sort of sit there. If they do something, that's when you call the news once you're about 50 miles away and you can safely call. You know, you're like, "Mm -mm, don't want to be there. I once saw a movie where a guy was, a new uh, coroner was working and he started to work on a body and he touched the neck and the head twitched and he jumped back and the older coroner went, oh, don't worry about that. It's just a reflex. I've had him jump up and run for coffee. You know, when a dead body does anything, it'll get your attention. Simply because they're not supposed to do that. They're dead. When you're dead in sin, you cannot reach up and take hold of God. God has to reach down and take hold of you. You cannot bring yourself out of your tomb unless Jesus calls Lazarus, come forth. You may say, but, you know, if I hear the gospel, I can believe it and that'll be it, right? I got news for you. Unless you've had the new birth, unless God has given you a new nature, you can't even receive the gospel. Because as you read here, Nicodemus is sitting there, Lord, I don't get it. Now, I understand Nicodemus had never heard the term born again. Nobody had ever heard the term born again. Jesus just introduced it. But Jesus is looking at him going, man, you have heard in Ezekiel, I will take away your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh. Psalm 51, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Circumcise your flesh or your hearts and not your flesh. Jesus is like, Nicodemus, this is not a new concept. This is all over the scriptures that you need to stop being who you are and start being someone else. And that this is a work of the Spirit. Nicodemus, I'm talking to a brick wall and you're supposed to be the teacher of Israel. Man, if I can't even explain things that happen on earth like you being saved, how are you going to believe if I tell you things about heaven? This is the basic stuff, Nicodemus. You wonder how people can hear the gospel preached to them and not understand it? How can people hear Jesus loves you and will save you? Them Christians are just so judgmental. Look, we have to tell you you're a sinner because we're sinners too. And when we realized we were sinners, we realized we needed Jesus. We're not here to judge. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, what you're telling me then is I need to work and I'll earn my way to heaven. I don't think that's what I said. I think I said repent and believe in the gospel. Your repentance is not going to earn you heaven, but you can't take hold of Jesus and the world at the same time. How can they not get it? I'll tell you why they don't get it. Because they're dead. And when you're dead spiritually, the gospel is not penetrating your heart. Why do you think before we begin the sermon every time, We pray, Holy Spirit, open our minds. Even those of us who are in Christ still need the Spirit to show us what the text means, to show us what His Word means, to speak to us. How can those without the Spirit hear? 
The new birth makes it possible. It is the new birth, that giving of a new nature by God that opens our eyes. Do you remember the moment it hit you? Do you remember? I remember a moment when I was driving and I had believed that Jesus died for my sins and all this for years. But it hit me like a ton of bricks, a thought so big, I had to call my pastor and see if I was wrong. I went, now, let me get this straight. I said, I had a thought, but I think it might be blasphemy. He went, what's that? I said, because Jesus lived a perfect life for me, when God looks at me, He sees me as if I were the one who resisted the temptation of Satan. As if I were the one who fed the 5,000. As if I were the one who raised the widow's son. He went, that's not only not blasphemy, that's pretty much the exact gospel. That's what I preach. That God looks at you and sees the record of Jesus Christ, every one of His good deeds. Hit me like a wrecking ball in a good way. I was like, that's wonderful. Why had it never hit me before? I'd been taught this my whole life because the Spirit opened my eyes to how big, how great the good news is. Well, this new birth is given through the Holy Spirit, but it's made possible by another member of the Trinity. You see, God gives us salvation in Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior. This is one of the best things in the Bible. Everybody knows John 3.16, and it's a great verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I could preach a whole sermon on that. But verse 17, don't knock it. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. That is is some good news. That is some good news right there. The Son is coming. There will be a day when He will ride in on a white horse and He will judge the world for sin. But that day is not today. Today is the day of salvation. He has come to save you. You remember when you were a kid and your room was a mess and your parents had told you to clean it up and you were just playing with your toys and you heard the footsteps coming down the hall? What was the first thought that came into your mind? Did I see daddy wearing a belt? And if not, how far away is it? Do I hear the rattle of the buckle? Because you knew it was coming. And the door opened, and there he stood, and you knew the reckoning was upon you. Now imagine 
He says, you know, this is a really big mess, and I don't think you can clean this up by yourself. I think you're just overwhelmed. And he reaches down and starts picking up the toys for you and putting them away. The one who is worthy to be our judge has come. We could not go to him. We're dead. We cannot reach out to Christ. We cannot overcome the separation that our sin has created. We wouldn't even if we could because in sin we didn't want to. He came to us as a man in humility and said, this is bigger than you can fix. I will fix it for you. And he was lifted up. It says two meanings, most scholars agree. Because yes, Moses lifted up that snake and the serpent, or that snake in the wilderness. That old story where the Hebrews were being bitten by snakes and they could look at a bronze snake that God had ordered to be built and God would heal them. Well, Jesus was lifted up on a cross because, you see, the debt of sin had to be paid. Somebody had to pay the price and He became a man so He could stand before God the Father and say, I represent them. I represent my people. And you can put all the punishment they deserve on me. And I will pay it for them. But lift it up has another meaning as well. You see, God has sent Jesus Christ to be the object of our faith. Jesus has come to teach us the truth of God. That's what He's doing here with Nicodemus, who even calls Him Rabbi, Teacher. We know you're sent from God. And Jesus twice tells him, Truly, truly, which by the way, if you don't know this, as we go through John, anytime you see truly, truly, take note. When a rabbi had finished speaking, he would go, Amen. In fact, in some very traditional churches, a pastor will still end his sermon with Amen or Amen, or sometimes even in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. And that's the end of his sermon. Jesus didn't wait until he was finished speaking, until you'd had time to evaluate and see if you agreed. He opened with the word Amen. That's what truly is in Greek. It's that word Amen. And he didn't say it once, he said it twice. Most certainly, I say to you. He wanted these people to understand, you don't need to evaluate what I'm about to say, you just need to accept it. Jesus teaches us the truth from God because he is God and has come down to us and he can tell us, I have seen these things, I know these things, Look, I created the world. I can tell you what's what. I can tell you how this system works. Not only that, though, but because He is the one who has paid the price for our sin, 
He is the one who can give us salvation, who can dispense it. He is the one, along with the Father, who has poured out the Spirit to apply His salvation to us. And God has lifted Him up and exalted Him in glory at His right hand. Jesus is our hope. And we put our trust in Him alone that He will save. Our response to the good news of Jesus Christ tells us our condition. You see, there are some who hear the Gospel and they don't believe. They haven't experienced that new birth. Their eyes are covered. Their ears are stopped up. Their mind is in a fog. And even if they do understand, they reject it because, quite frankly, they just don't want it. Their heart belongs to this world, and they desire sin more than God. Jesus says He did not come to judge those people because He doesn't have to judge those people. They're already judged. He says, I don't have to condemn you. You're already condemned. You show by your lack of belief that you are already under God's condemnation. You're already under God's wrath. You don't come to the light because if you did, Jesus, the light of the world, would expose your sins as evil. You would have to confront them and turn away from them. And since you refuse... You are condemned for those sins. For those who are in that condition, there is no hope if they remain in it. Because they can avoid Jesus in this life. But when He returns in judgment, He will bring all deeds to light. And they will find there is nowhere to run in that day. Those who believe the gospel, though, those who respond, that shows them that they have experienced the new birth. Because if you love Jesus, if you want Him, you could not do that unless you were born again. You reach out and take Jesus because He has reached out and taken hold of you. You did not choose me, says Jesus, but I chose you. That you would go and bear much fruit. And when we see that fruit in our lives, we know it is Jesus living in us. His Holy Spirit applying His life to us. We have no fear of coming to God. I know we're not perfect. But Jesus says, but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Look, I know that in itself my righteousness is as filthy rags and I can never earn the favor of God. But I also know that because I'm in Christ and He's paid the price for my sins, my works are covered by the blood of Christ. This sermon today is full of imperfections, I'm sure. Don't know what they are or I wouldn't have done them. But it's full of imperfections, and yet the blood of Christ covers those imperfections. 
And I am not afraid for this sermon to be heard because I have no need to fear because I know it is the Spirit who is speaking, albeit using a very imperfect instrument. And when you do something for God, you don't have to be afraid of that deed being exposed. We are not like sinners who have to cower in fear and worry that people will find out what we're doing. And Lord have mercy, why do you think they invented incognito mode on the internet? Why do you think young people are obsessed with clearing their browsing history? They've done stuff they know ought not to be done. Why do you think everyone lives in terror of video cameras on every phone? Because that stupid thing you did can end up on the internet. There was a woman on an airplane making a big scene. She threatened the flight attendant, you won't have a job tomorrow. The attendant went, I don't want her on this flight, get her off. Which they can do, by the way. They are a legal authority. They can give commands and they must be obeyed. They kicked her off the flight. And the woman was being filmed. It got online. Her government employer saw it and fired her. She didn't have a job the next day. Did not like how she had behaved because she had mentioned her political connections. They were like, nope. We don't want to be dragged into that. Goodbye. Sinners fear that because they don't want their deeds exposed. The good news for the Christian is you can live a life. Won't be perfect, but covered by the blood that you will not have to be afraid of having trotted out in public on the day of judgment. And although we are imperfect, God has promised to reward those who love Him. Not because we've earned it, but as grace upon grace. So what is your condition this morning? It may sound strange to ask that question because you might be sitting there thinking, well, pastor, if I'm not a Christian... And the new birth is nothing I can do. What am I supposed to do about it? Well, that's a deep question and a lot of theology, and we could spend a whole other sermon talking about it. Don't panic, I'm not going to. I'll give you the brief version. The Spirit works through the Word. The Spirit works through His call. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, you can't be born again of your own power, but hear the call of the gospel. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. And if you feel the Spirit working in you, put your trust in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you will be safe in Him now for the rest of this life and forever. Take comfort. Jesus has come to save. Let's go to the Lord our God in prayer. We hope this sermon has been helpful to you. If you would like more information about the gospel of Jesus Christ or about Goshen Presbyterian Church, 
please contact us using the website goshenpca.com, where you can find our email address as well as our phone number. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Goshen PCA. Please subscribe to this podcast and feel free to share the good news of Jesus Christ by sharing these episodes.